Welcome to a podcast of a sermon delivered at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood in New Jersey. Our congregation is a place where you will find inspiration in the richness of diverse beliefs and the power of community. Detailed information about the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood is available on our website, uuridgewood.org. We are going to light the chalice and say these words together. They might be projected, but they are definitely printed in your order of service. Here they are. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, the energy of action as we gather together in the circle of community. There is hurry and scurry out there, but you have crossed a threshold. Let this time, this hour before us, be a chance to be here, to be now. May the sound of this chime help you to be present in body and spirit. Listen to it as it comes to its end. Our opening words today come from the, from the Reverend Gretchen Haley. Let's put delight on our to-do list today. After all, there is not enough time in this life for all the beauty, for spring that is here and then gone, for red buds on brown trees suddenly everywhere, for singing together out loud in public, for this noticing of life and death, this paying attention and for this chance, for this chance to begin again. We are already past due on this party, this praising of everything big and small. For this hour, let's get to work at wonder and joy so big the ancestors feel it. We are healing backwards and dreaming forwards, opening our hearts wide like the sky, letting ourselves be loved for no good reason, learning to believe it's possible to receive love like a gift we already have, to not turn it away, and to rejoice like breath for this gift of life that keeps flowing in and out. Come. Let us worship together. The flow of today's service will be a little bit different than usual. I'll be speaking in four parts, and at the beginning of each of the parts of the story or the reflection I offer, I start with a poem or part of a poem or a song, in part because what I speak of goes to some of the most heartbreaking things that are happening in our world right now. And when I experience heartbreak or come closer to it, I always seek relief and comfort in poetry. Poetry and music when we cannot, when words are not enough. So I begin with the poem Vahafta by Aurora 
Levens Morales. This is she. Say these words when you lie down and when you rise up, when you go out and when you return. In times of mourning and in times of joy, inscribe them on doorposts, embroider them on your garments, tattoo them on your shoulders, teach them to your children, your neighbors, your enemies, recite them in your sleep here in the cruel shadow of empire. Another world is possible. Thus spoke the prophet Roque Dalton. Altogether, they have more death than we, but altogether, we have more life than they. There is more bloody death in their hands than we could ever wield unless we were to lay down our souls and become them, and then we lose everything. So instead, imagine winning. This is your sacred task. This is your power. Imagine every detail of winning, the exact smell of summer streets in which no one has been shot. The muscles you have never unclenched from worry, gone soft as newborn skin. The sparkling taste of food when we know that no one on earth goes hungry, that the beggars are fed, the old man under the bridge, the woman wrapping herself in thin sheets in the back seat of a car, the children who suck on stones. They nest under a flock of roofs that keep multiplying their shelter. Lean with all your being towards that day when the poor of the world shake down a rain of good fortune out of the heavy clouds and justice rolls down like waters. Defend the world in which we win as if it were your child. It is your child. Defend it as if it were your lover. It is your lover. When you inhale and exhale, breathe the possibility of another world into the 37.2 trillion cells of your body until it shines with hope. Then imagine more. Imagine rape is unimaginable. Imagine war is scarcely credible. Rumor that the crimes of our age, the grotesque inhumanities of greed, the sheer and astounding shamelessness of it, the vast fortunes made by stealing lives, the horrible normalcy it came to have, is unimaginable to our heirs, the generations of the free. Don't waver, don't let despair sink its sharp teeth into the throat with which you sing. Escalate your dreams. Make them burn so fiercely that you can follow them down any dark alleyway of history and not lose your way. Make them burn clear as a starry drinking gourd over the grim fog of exhaustion and keep going. Hold hands, share water, keep imagining so that we and the children of our children's children may live.
When the world is sick, can't no one be well. But I dreamt we was all beautiful and strong. Ambos Nogales. That's what the locals call it, both Nogaleses, declaring one community undivided by a wall, not two different cities. You can see how this one city has not changed and has changed over the past century. One city, one community with a wall in the middle of it. There was a ragtag group of Unitarian Universalist ministers we had planned to pay our respects to the memorial to Jose Antonio Elena Rodriguez, the 16-year-old shot and killed in 2012 by the US Border Patrol. He was on the Mexico side, outside their jurisdiction. And this past November, those who killed him were acquitted. We can change the slide. Upon arriving, we discovered that the memorial on the US side had been omnis, omni, <laughs> had been taken away, removed, much to our chagrin, but it continues on the Mexico side. When we got there, it was dusk. When we got to this place, the Morley Street entry point, when we arrived, visiting the wall, smack dab in the middle of the city. We must have been quite a sight. The border patrol trucks were idling nearby, and the wall had been recently covered with razor wire. The locals talk about how recently, in the past 18 months, they've been seeing more and more of the semi-trucks coming and delivering this south. In fact, the Monday after I was there, so much razor wire had been added that it is now in six rows, including down to the street level. This is all on the US side. While we were there, some of us were silent as we were overshadowed by this monstrosity. Some of us named aloud our resistance to the wall. Some of us laid their hands on it. Others prayed from across the street. And I found myself saying over and over, I do not consent. I do not consent to this vulgarity. I suppose it is possible to not notice, possible definitely to stop paying attention, possible for this looming, vulgar wall to become normalized, to become semi-invisible, mere inconvenience. Passing through on the highway one of the supposedly temporary checkpoints that have been there for a decade now, I was exquisitely aware of my privileges, my white skin, my passport, my sense of belonging. Even in the very few days we were there, my attention alerted less and less each time we went through one of these checkpoints. They now dot the highways up to 100 miles from the border.
it's possible to become inured to the militarization of the region. Yet what do we lose if we allow that to happen? It's essential we do not. We spent time with folks from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Amato, Arizona. They are so rooted in place, so connected to their geography and to their emerging mission that, we, that they have changed their name. We were actually there in the week between one Sunday, they took away their old name, and then we were there, and the following Sunday they were going to announce their new name. Borderlands. Unitarian Universalist. There we listened to stories of bloody-footed 13-year-olds knocking on random doors in hope of finding help or refuge, of choosing not to call Border Patrol when a migrant shows up at your door in the morning as you're readying yourself for work because, and I quote, if someone makes it to my door out of that desert, I will not be the reason they will be sent back. I may not be able to save them, but I won't be the reason. We heard stories of networks of people who are willing to bend and sometimes break laws to ensure safe passage. It very much felt to me like the Underground Railroad. There was a story of a man who showed up at the church and knocked on this church's door, which is good because only two of the many churches in the area won't call the Border Patrol. He showed up at the right church, at the Unitarian Universalist Church. He met the right people and ended up in another state meeting his newborn daughter for the first time. Not a dry eye in the house. There was reference to those who hid Jews during the Nazi reign of terror, and it did not feel off the mark. One of these people was this woman, Barb Lemon, 77-year-old retired nurse who feels that as an elder, giving safe harbor to migrants is the best way to live out the rest of her life. She asked of our group, that we return and tell our own people, my New Jersey people, <laughs> how bad it has gotten, how militarized the country has become, how wrong it is, how everyone must some do something to stop the evil. She used that word. How there is so much suffering, how she is not sure we can stop it, but that we must try. She said these haunting words, I haven't found a body, but I'd rather find one than have it go unfound. She said, why do I do it? I can't accept that we will go to total evil. I know enough good people. And then this heartbreaking observation, the ground keeps shifting and always for the worse. 
So ends the first of my four reflections. I want to ask to let it stay with you. I want to ask you here now to take not a deep breath, we often hear that, but a comfortable breath, inspired by the role modeling of Reverend Teresa Soto. To take a comfortable breath here in this body, this gift that found you awake this morning, perhaps with pain, perhaps with ease, certainly with longing and with hope. May the stillness that we share and build together now be one that brings reflection to you until the chime rings for us to come back together. There are moments of deep synergy, and that song is a beautiful way to come into the poem excerpt you are about to hear from the poem Home, written by Warsan Shire, a Kenyan-born, London-raised, Los Angeles-residing Somali poet. No one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. You have to understand that no one puts their children in a boat unless the water is safer than the land. No one burns their palms under trains beneath carriages No one spends days and nights in the stomach of a truck feeding on newspaper unless the miles traveled means something more than the journey. When the world is sick, can't no one be well? But I dreamt we was all beautiful and strong. We were in Tucson as faith-based witnesses to Operation Streamline at the federal special proceedings courtroom where each business day, 75 people detained migrants largely from Central America and Mexico in the course of two hours are processed, charged with and found guilty either of illegal entry or of illegal re-entry. 75 people On this day, 72 men and three women, all shackled at the feet, wrists, waist, walking that recognizable perp walk. Except what have they perpetrated? Saving their families, saving themselves, seeking reunion with their family already here up north. They perpetrate love and longing, livelihood and largesse. 
They perpetrate acts made criminal not by their nature, but by a domineering government exercising racist immigration laws. The judge in this courtroom asked these questions of each migrant defendant. Are you thinking clearly today? Has anyone promised or threatened or forced you to plead guilty? Do you understand the offense with which you are charged and the maximum penalty? Do you understand the consequences of pleading guilty and your trial rights? Are you willing to give up those trial rights and plead guilty? Sixteen, for whom this was their first entry into the U.S., were given time served, then deported immediately. For those for whom it was a case of re-entry, each received a sentence between 30 and 180 days. Collectively, they received 2,640 days of imprisonment for a misdemeanor charge. When was the last time you served in a private prison for jaywalking? We were told that private prisons receive $161 a day for each of these criminals. In that two hours, Core Civic, which used to be called Corrections Corporation of America, CCA, reaped $425,000, just one day in a single courtroom that operates five days a week, and there are other courtrooms who have Operation Streamline. Big business, this criminalization of migrants <coughs> crossing the border. Big business, completely choreographed, theater with no other outcome than the predestined one of crime and punishment. Operation Streamline started under President Bush, increased pace under President Obama, and has become a linchpin for the current administration. In Tucson alone, while the average number of people charged in this program had been 12,400 in the five years previous, the pace picked up in 2018, heading towards 15,000 by the end of that calendar year. Did I mention that the legal representation for these migrants is barely adequate, if that? A 2013 study by the University of Arizona say, says so. And so did this woman, Lois Martin, our host and guide as we provided witness to these horrendous court proceedings. Another fierce elder who I want to grow up to be a quarter century from now. She has attended these court proceedings on a regular basis since they started over a decade ago. Right now, she is 84. It was better than eating an ice cream sundae to meet Lois. An unexpected cherry on a sundae was to find that the magazine Vogue, not Teen Vogue, which is pretty woke right now, did a wonderful spread on, uh, the, on the work that she's doing and had this wonderful picture of her here just a few weeks ago. 
She's one of my sheroes. My third reflection begins with an excerpt from the poem, Imagine the Bread of Angels, written by this man, Martin Espada. He calls on us to make this the year of liberation. This is the year that shawled refugees deport judges who stare at the floor and their swollen feet as files are stamped with their destination. This is the year that those who swim the borders undertow and shiver in boxcars are greeted with trumpets and drums at the first railroad crossing on the other side. If the abolition of slave manacles began as a vision of, slave, of hands without manacles, then this is the year. If the shutdown of extermination camps began as imagination of a land without barbed wire or the crematorium, then this is the year. So may every humiliated mouth, teeth, like desecrated headstones, fill with the angels of bread. When the world is sick, can't no one be well. But I dreamt we was all beautiful and strong. No more death, no mas muertes. It's a humanitarian aid organization that began in 2004 as a coalition of community and faith groups dedicated to stopping the deaths of migrants in the desert and advocating for humane policies related to immigration reform. Since 2008, it has been an official ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Tucson. It does far more than advocate and educate. When they receive word that someone is lost in the desert, they lead search parties. When a family knows that a loved one has died, in the desert, they get a call and are sometimes asked to make recovery efforts. They place water and socks and medical supplies in the harshest regions of the desert. Border Patrol is hostile towards no more deaths and their placing of water and medical supplies in the desert. It, they say it encourages migration. No More Deaths knows that people will cross the border no matter what. They place the water there so that they do not die in the process. No More Deaths collects and publishes data shining a light on the cruelty of this ever more militarized system. Like this map you see here of the Aravaca Corridor, noting so many deaths. Each one of those red dots 
a human who died, who was found. Those who were not found, not there. Just in a very short period of time, three years. So putting water, publishing data, as damning as this, does not make No More Deaths friends with Border Patrol. So not only are migrants who are crossing the desert being criminalized in ever more punitive ways, like I told you about with Operation Streamline, so are the people who are trying to help them. Just over a year ago, in 2018, nine volunteers with No More Deaths were charged with federal misdemeanors for abandonment of property, for littering, in the Cabeza Prieta National Wildlife Refuge. In January 2019, Natalie Hoffman, Una Holcomb, Madeline Hoos, and Zakila Orozco were put on trial and convicted just a few days before I went out at the end of January. A month ago, they were sentenced to 15 months probation and fines. A brief transcription of the trial has the assistant U.S. attorney asking, why did you write Buena Suerte on the gallons of water? Good luck with what? He asked condescendingly. I imagine the condescension. The defendant, Una Holcomb, in this case replied, good luck with surviving. Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, president of the Unitarian Universalist Association and who used to serve a UU congregation in Arizona, made this statement about those arrests. She wrote, I am deeply troubled by this verdict and my heart goes out to all who are impacted by the decision. Criminalizing humanitarian aid sets a dangerous precedent both to those who struggle for survival as well as those who seek to faithfully save lives. I echo the words of No More Deaths volunteer Catherine Gaffney when she asks, if giving water to someone dying of thirst is illegal, what humanity is left in the law of this country? Mid-February, four of those nine, not the four already convicted, um, had their charges dismissed. A spokesperson for No More Deaths said this, reminding us to keep our focus on those who are the true targets. Today might be a victory for No More Deaths, but people continue to die and disappear every day in the desert. Our hearts remain with the families of the disappeared, and as long as border policy funnels migrants into the most remote corridors of the desert, the need for humanitarian responses continue. The ninth of those No More Death volunteers, Dr. Scott Daniel Warren, was not charged with dis misdemeanors. He was charged with felony harboring and felony conspiracy conspiracy 
because he provided medical care to two migrants. Based on the timing and severity of these charges, No More Deaths believes that this was retribution for a report they had published just hours before showing the Border Patrol in a damning light, including evidence over a four-year period of destroying nearly 4,000 gallons of water that had been left out to keep migrants from dying. In fact, about 10 days ago, the lawyers for No No Mas Muertes submitted evidence of surveillance by Border Patrol of the No More Deaths activists prior to uh, the arrest, showing that they were targeting Dr. Warren. Indeed, what humanity is left in the law of this country? When the world is sick, can't no one be well. But I dreamt we was all beautiful and strong. Ultimately, the border is arbitrary. Where it lies now has not been in existence for all that long, 165 years particularly when you consider that humans have been moving across the continent north and south for millennia. It is so clear to me that the governments and in modern times corporations make deals, but that people live our lives making our way as best we can, trying to save the lives of those we love and our own lives, border or not. If I were facing any of the things these people were facing and are facing, I would make the same choices, good, bad, or ugly. I held that intellectual opinion before my trip to the border. It is now my deep, visceral conviction after having learned what I learned, after seeing what I saw. There are some media outlets willing to look beyond the newly branded criminality of border crossing, and from them we hear stories of gang activity in Central America spurring people to risk their lives in order to find safety and asylum in this country, freedom from their sons being forced into drug dealing, their daughters being sexually assaulted, not to mention that if you are trans or queer, there is no protection for you. But this is not the whole story. We must look further back in history, further still, but definitely at least to NAFTA and the mid-1990s, which destabilized the campesinos, the farmers, by flooding the Mexican uh, market with U.S. goods, undercutting the ability to make a livelihood, causing both urban migration and economic insecurity. And the so-called crisis at the border, this problem down south, it's on us, friends. It's on our government, and not just the current administration, though it is doing its best to lengthen and strengthen its authoritarian grip. That is true. But friends, I say this to myself as well as to you. It's on our desire for cheap goods. It's on our consumer culture. It is on us. 
And then we must also look not just to history, but to the future, to a climate-changed future, and in fact, a climate change now. A 2014 report by scientists about Guatemala cautioned how susceptible that nation is to the destructive vagaries of climate change. You can see it in yesterday's Guardian. You can see it in this week's New Yorker. As we listened to the polite judge ask those questions of each of the defendants, it occurred to some of us that perhaps turnabout would have been fair play. Perhaps we should have asked the judge or the prosecutor that day if they were thinking clearly. Perhaps we should have asked those at Homeland Security or the Justice Department if they fully understood the consequences of their actions the consequences for their own soul and for the soul of this nation. What exactly were they promising and really what were they threatening for the guilty pleas of those 75, these thousands of migrants? And if they are going to ask these beloved humans to give up their right to due process to a fair and free trial, what are they, these people wielding such power, what are they willing to give up? <coughs> some might say, our democracy. In addition to witnessing Operation Streamline, the group of 10 Unitarian Universalist ministers and I canvassed a neighborhood in Tucson inviting residents to place these signs on their property to grow community support for the necessary humanitarian aid work and hopefully to influence the future sentencing processing around the charges. And maybe it worked, right? Because those charges of the second group were dismissed. It was a joy every time someone took a sign. And of course, it was disappointing when those refused. During this visit, in meeting so many powerful, engaged, determined people, I was struck by how dire situations raise up heroic actions in us. The ability to sacrifice, to risk, to show up for the vulnerable and mistreated among us. This editorial cartoon by David Fitzsimmons, published soon after those first four humanitarian um, aid volunteers were convicted, it has a judge, a different judge, pronouncing them guilty. And then the judge names what they are guilty of. Four charges of premeditated compassion. Four charges of first-degree humanity. Four charges of involuntary kindness. I was struck by what it takes of us and what it takes in us to do what Jesus directed. When someone is thirsty, give them a drink. And while I am not personally very much interested in a Christian nation, I am interested in a humanitarian nation that follows such a compassionate and fierce and obvious directive. So I say long live modern day life-saving underground railroads. Long live the network of healers and heroes who know beyond all knowing that no one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. Long live the searchers and responders who declare that this is the year of no more manacles and no more barbed wire. Long live the fierce water leavers who affirm another world is possible, loving that world as if it is their child, as if it is our child, so that our children and the children of our children's children may live. Amen.
It's time to extinguish the chalice. Let us speak these words together. We extinguish the flame, but not the light of truth. The warmth of love and the energy of action burn bright in our hearts until we are together again. May you know the blessing you already are, and may you sense the blessing you yet can be, and may we all go out and be a blessing in the world.